Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Sunday Skate with Scott McLaughlin and Andrew Razor Raycross. Brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market. Perfecting the art of fresh on WEEI. season's over hockey season four months in but sunday yes. skate just getting started i'm scott mclaughlin your host andrew razor raycroft is back bridget proves back she's in studio with us now we got nico behind the glass producing how's everyone doing it's been a, it's been a while it's been it a while has. thank god football's over <laughs> this place looks different than i remember it <laughs> Dirtier. It's a little dirtier. Messier. Yeah, I'm sitting over here among the spoons and, yeah. and smelling salts and o- uh, open bags of chips. There's some knives over here. It's unbelievable. It, look, looks it, like looks a- like, it looks like someone had a really good party in here last night. It looks like my dorm in college, like after I really, you know, hit it hard on a Friday night and woke up Saturday and, and this is just what I just left some spoons random places and, and bags of chips open. Yeah, well, we we know it was not the Bruins having having a party. Uh, we're picking this up at quite the interesting point in the Bruins season, guys, because they have lost four in a row, five out of six since the All Star break, all on home ice. So let's start with uh, with a little bit of a vibes check. Just Razor, how are you feeling about the Bruins? What's your concern level right now after another blown lead and an overtime loss to the Los Angeles Kings on Saturday? Well, my concern level isn't that high still. Um, I typically, I'm optimistic. Typically, I'm a little bit of a homer with this crew. Um, <laughs> more more than anything because they they haven't shown us a reason not to worry that they'll find a way out of it. Certainly in the regular season over the last 10 years, 15 years, 12 years. So it's, um, it, it, and the other thing is too, is you watch a lot of hockey around the rest of the national hockey league. And there's a lot of teams that go through this and this happens to Colorado. We would suspect all say that are a very good hockey team. They're doing the exact same thing right now. Their wheels are spinning. Um, they've got some injuries They're They're not playing. They're not scoring. It's just not perfect. So there the, the issue with the Bruins is some special teams. Penalty kills, not good enough. Power play hasn't been good enough. You get four on threes in overtime. You got to score. Like, those, all these situations, like you could back yourself into them winning the last four in a row. You really could in situations where um, they hit nets or they they take advantage of opportunities. They haven't done that in the past ten days, and and it doesn't feel great because you lose four in a row. But um, it would be a lot worse if they were two points behind a wild card. Then there's panic. Right now they're in a pretty good spot. 
we're all going to compare them to what they do in the playoffs as well. So this might um, motivate and make the deadline a little more intriguing because they might need something a little more than what they thought of a month and a half ago. That's a good point. And we're also going to compare them to what they did last year. Correct. So when you compare them to what they did last year, you know, they didn't really face adversity. And when when we talked to some of the players after the game, I, I know Charlie McAvoy had mentioned this um, a few losses ago. It was after one of those tough losses, maybe Washington or um, Calgary. But he mentioned that you got to go through this this stuff in the season. And, 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 and you do have to learn where your holes are and, and find ways to fix them. And is that something you can do internally? Or does this push the management to, to do more at the trade deadline. You, you hope it does because there are holes in this team right now that I think you need to address and, and they're showing. So uh, it should be pretty obvious that this isn't going to be like a, a no deadline move, which I don't think there's really much precedent for Don Sweeney to not do that much at the deadline. But it, it's yeah. good that it's showing with plenty of time to make some phone calls, you know, figure out the personnel and what you're willing to give up and, and who you want to target. Yeah, we, we know Don Sweeney has always added at the trade deadline. Uh, he's taken some big swings in years past. It will be a challenge to do that this year with their lack of assets between not having many draft picks, not having a ton of high-end prospects, uh, even moving guys off the roster that other teams might be interested in. Um, you know, they have some pending free agents. A rebuilding team isn't going to be interested in those guys, so that presents challenges. Uh, but, Bridget, you're right. They do have some some holes, and, and we'll get into those. For me, I think, it, first off, it's important to differentiate between some of these losses because the first two after the break, and there was the blowout win over Vancouver in there as well, still the only win on this homestand so far. But... Calgary and Washington, those were complete no-shows. Those were just absolute stinkers. Like, they got booed and, and in my mind, kind of deserved it. Like, those are bad efforts. The last three have not been that. In fact, Tampa and Seattle, I thought they played pretty well and really controlled long stretches of those games. The Kings' loss on Saturday worries me a little more because you saw some things that have been ongoing issues that have continued to pop up that they haven't really seemed to rectify. And one of them is closing out games. They lead that game three, one late in the second period four three late in the third period. And they can't get it done. They let the Kings come back. They give up a goal late in the second, give up the tying goal early in the third. And then they bounce right back. Great response. Trent Frederick scores, gets them the lead back. You get late into the third period, and Pavel Zaka takes an offensive zone penalty. We can debate whether it was holding, whether it was two guys battling for the puck. Regardless, you don't like those offensive zone penalties. They just about kill it off. It's a six-on-four situation, and somehow Anche Kopitar gets wide open in front of the net right after Derek Forber couldn't clear the zone. We'll get into Derek Forber because I thought he had, a, he had a rough game, and that's one of those spots you know you wonder if you're looking to upgrade. Uh, and then in overtime, not scoring on the power play is one thing, and then just the game management from David Pasternak to try to force a pass just as the power play is expiring that gets picked off and taken the other way for the breakaway winner. And on the season now, they're 24-1-6 when leading after two, and you hear that and you think, well, hey, there's only one regulation loss in there. That's not so bad, right? Well, the seven losses when leading after two, tied for the most in the NHL. 
Their winning percentage when leading after two periods ranks 24th in the NHL. And the eight teams below them are all out of the playoff picture. So they have been the out of the teams in the playoffs right now. They have been the worst at closing out games when leading after two periods. That to me is a legitimate concern. Uh, by the way, you can join us. Call in 617-779-7937. Text in 37937. So far, no mean texts. Just taking a look. They're you know, with it. That's good. They're yes, they're, they're not well, here they're yet. We do have a, we do have a caller. That, uh, but but Razor, being able to close out games, this continues to pop up with this team where they're just not getting the job done in the third. And then I, I get that overtime is kind of its own separate issue, and you're not going to be playing three on three in the playoffs. So it's almost like who, who cares? But. It's still just some of the, the decision-making in those situations and just, like, lack of, of awareness at times. I think it goes back to last season, too, right? Them not closing out Game 6 and technically not closing out Game 5 and not closing out Game 7. I, I mean, that's why they didn't win the playoff series last season and, and possibly the Stanley Cup if you back in into what they would have, the run they could have gone on with the team that they had. They didn't close out, and we have all the reasons and all the excuses for why they lost last season. But the reality is they had leads in all three games in the third period. So that's why they lost last season because they couldn't close out games and it's happening again. It happened right at the start of this season. It's kind of been the only consistent theme realistically. That's an issue for this team is closing out. And it, I don't know if it's a physical thing or if it's a mental thing. That's, that's the, that's what makes it concerning, I suppose, is because you can't really put a finger on why it's happening. Um, they win faceoffs in their own zone and they lose games. They lose faceoffs in their own zone and they make get, get big saves and they still lose games. There's all these, all these different areas and ways that they, they've done it. And yesterday was another way that, that they kill the six on four off essentially, but they, they have a, you know, they make a poor decision. They they don't go weak side, rather they go strong side, and 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 it ends up in the back of the net. So, yes, these are these are issues. Um, the penalty taking is an issue, um, but they should be able to fix it, right? They, like they should be able to fix it, and and that's that's kind of where I go to. I don't think they have a great attitude about overtime. Um, that seems pretty clear. That, and and fine, you're allowed to not have a bad attitude if you're first or you know barely out of first in in the NHL. Um, you can have that, but but if it if it gets down to it near the end and you need a point or two, you want to find a way to do that in overtime. So yeah, that's that is it, the the closing out. It, it really is the most concerning part because you feel like everything else will will, will be able to. F- find a way and level out whether it's PPPK, those kinds of things. If it was three on three overtime in the playoffs, I would not bet on this team to make it out of the first round. That's how they've been doing in in three on three overtime this season. I think that you're right, Razor. The attitude going into it is it just, they don't take the right mentality. It's about possession. And you see some, like, like you mentioned with Pasternak forcing a pass that those are the kind of plays they've been making. Not, not the easiest plays, not the just wait, be patient plays. They're turning it over. And that's how they end up getting scored on in overtime. You, and they have great goaltending, but it's hard to stop a, a clear breakaway. And that happens a lot in overtime when it's three on three, because there's so much ice and one pass picked off at the point just goes so quickly the other way. Yeah. And, and David Poslin, in overtime specifically, like 
it often feels like he's at the, the center of it because, one, he's going to play. You want him on the ice in three-on-three situations because he's so talented. And, two, because he, more than anyone, he has the green light to to try to force things, to try to try some things that other guys don't have permission to try. And you, you saw the good and bad of it in that overtime yesterday where I think it was even his first shift of overtime. He tried to take a defenseman one-on-one and got broken up. And, Bridget, to your point about possession, it's like, that's not a possession play. Even if you're David Pasternak, you shouldn't really be trying to drive one-on-one in overtime. Well, then, at- then he tries dangling to the middle, and he makes a great play and draws a penalty. And it's like, oh, well, that's why you let him do it, because he can do that. And, but then you get that pass at the end. So it's like, yeah, the, the you're going to have to live with some bad, but at times this year for, for Pasternak, it's... It's, it's come back to bite the Bruins in, in overtime specifically. Well, when you look at successful teams in overtime, though, you, you notice that they 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 don't have that, like, force it mentality. Even in, in college hockey, I watch it a lot. And teams are some sometimes more likely or, or they want to not do anything risky, and they, they'd rather just go to the shootout. Like, I, I've seen teams just, you know, play. It's, it's annoying. I don't like it. But they'll play the puck back. They'll wait. They'll regroup. Try to get a little rush shoot only and only do what's conservative and then just kind of wait for the shootout. I, I don't like that about three-on-three hockey. I know a lot of people don't, but that's more of a common approach than what the Bruins have been doing this season. The other thing too, right, why this is all, a little bit of this is coming up different ways is because it's all happening at home. I think we all have to take a big step back. There's a lot of people that don't necessarily catch the games when they're on the road. They're not quite as invested when the games are on the road. Typically, you don't have a seven-game homestand when you struggle. Uh, afternoon games when everyone's got their family there. Um, actually booing at games because they've gone to three in a row and they haven't seen a win. Like This stuff does. This is adding to this a little bit and adding to us um, hitting the panic button a little bit more than probably is necessary from everybody because it is happening at home. It's happening during the day when everyone is able to watch or see or catch highlights by, by the night. Uh, this team's going to go out west, and if they had a loss three of all three games, uh, three of four, when they go to Seattle, Edmonton, Calgary, no one would have seen it. No one's watching. No one would have paid attention. Oh, they're out. It's okay. So that and that and the other thing that's that's interesting to me when I listen to the narrative is now everyone's talking about results, right? It's all about results now. Whereas when they were 10 and 0 to start the season, it's, well, they're not really playing the right way. Well, the goalies are bailing them out. Well, they're getting lucky. This isn't going to last forever. So everyone's kind of changed the narrative on whether it's, is this results driven or is it how they're playing driven? Um, And I I haven't really got that answer yet because to your points, they played pretty good. They should have won Seattle. I mean, they missed three open nets, five posts. They dominated that game. They should have beat Tampa. Vasilevsky was great. Um, this one, yes, they should have closed out, but they, they, they scored enough goals. So it's not, uh, you know, and again, the narrative going into yesterday, well, they haven't scored a lot of goals. Well, they scored four goals against a decent defensive team yesterday. So it's just interesting how I think the goalposts are getting a little moved a little bit on this team because we want to get on them because they screwed up in the playoffs last season. And then they started this season 10 and 0 when they weren't supposed to be that good. So we haven't had a chance collectively to get on these guys and and now we have it, and I think we're we're dumping pretty good on them when they're still in a, a very good position in the National Hockey League. 
And I, I just, before we hit the break, I want to ask you, because I have a different opinion about this than Scott and our co-host on the skate pod, uh, Brian DeFelice, and that is that I do not like the booing. Um, like, put it all in context. It's no, not that it's, I, no, it's not no. that I like the booing. It's I think <laughs> there's it times that it's justified. Okay, but they're, they were in first place when you're booing them. Like, and I, I, I just, I want to hear your perspective. It's aggressive. On it. The booing is aggressive. Now, I, I, it's, it's what we do. I think nowadays, uh, as the society that we live in, uh, to to expect hockey fans to try and encourage their team when they're playing poorly is pie in the sky. Um, but yeah, that that's. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like this team has 75 points. They have still have the least amount of regulation losses. In the National Hockey League, they've got the they've played fifty five games only twelve times. They haven't got a point. There, there's literally thirty other teams that would love to have that number. So we're very spoiled here, and I think we've lost sight of that when this team loses a few in a row because it's the same people complaining. We're the same people. Well, we want to see this team get adversity this year. Well, that's what we're. That, you can't have both. You can't have all of it. Um, and and that's where I know the players are saying. Take a deep breath. We're, we'll figure this out. And, and that that doesn't absolve them of the things that need to get better and the things that they need to work on and, and some of the deficiencies that this roster has. And, again, we'll get into all that. I think it's just I, I want to try and not be the, the guy who dumps all of the trash on this, on this team because it, that's probably not fair either. Yeah, we will get into some of those roster deficiencies, areas we think they should address. We'll get to the phone lines. Again, you can call in 617-779-7937. Text us 37937. We'll be back right after this. Bridget has your trending. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Sunday Skate on WEEI. You know, uh, we added to our problems today, you know, um... We had breakdowns that shouldn't be happening um, within our structure, and then also just game management. You know, you got to close out a game. You're up twice in the third period. And we don't close it out. So, and then, you know, in the overtime, our power play's got to put it away. We didn't. They sure didn't. That was Bruins coach Jim Montgomery talking about Saturday's loss to the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, yeah, the Bruins, Bruins had chances. He's right. That is a game they should win multiple times. You're thinking, okay, they're going to, they're going to end their losing streak here and they just can't close it out. Uh, again, this is Sunday skate. I'm Scott McLaughlin joined by Andrew Razor Raycroft and Bridget Peru. You can join in 617-779-7937 and we'll go to the phones now. Of course, our first call of the season is from Maria from Watertown. Good morning, Maria. Good morning and welcome back. I'm, um, d- you know, despite this um, dreadful homestand, I'm, I'm glad to have another uh, avenue to talk uh, Bruins hockey. So 
I, let, let me ask you all this. You know, I, I thought I saw some good things yesterday um, in, in that game. You know, I, I thought their breakouts coming out of their own end um, were good. Charlie McAvoy seemed much more active offensively. Um, I thought that fourth line brought good energy. But here, here's my question. That, you know, the definition of insanity is basically doing the same thing time and time again. And these breakdowns that we keep seeing keep happening over and over again. So how does a coaching staff address this with, with this team? And it, it's, not, it's not just the young guys. The, these are veteran players, core players, that are making these egregious mistakes. And, and I, I don't understand why it continues to happen. And, you know, Montgomery said it yesterday, the lack of an ability to close out, which is a continuation of what burned them in the playoffs last season, which doesn't make me warm and fuzzy about any playoff scenario that might need to go into a six or seven game series. So what, what needs to change or can they change this? Or is this the team that we expected to see all season long and the beginning of the season was a bit of an anomaly. And with regard to the booing, I'm, I'm fine with booing your team. I don't boo when I'm in the building, but when you watch what fans saw in the Calgary game and the Capitol game, I'm sorry, fans have a right to boo their team. So thank, thank you for the time. And, and again, welcome back guys. Yeah. Then thank you, Maria. Yes. Thank you. And I'm I'm outnumbered again. <laughs> Once again, I'm, well, I'm yeah. outnumbered. Like like to me, as far as the booing goes, it you have to differentiate but again between the losses. Like I'm fine with it in the Calgary and Washington games because fans are paying a lot of money to go to these games. Bruins have some of the highest ticket prices in the NHL. Every game's sold out. Fan support's always there. And you at least expect an honest effort. And I think in those two games you didn't get that now if you were booing in the tampa or seattle games or even even yesterday like i get there's gonna be a, a few boos at the end of a blown lead but you at least got a pretty good effort all around in those games so that that's different to me um to maria's other point about how do you fix this and is this just who the bruins are razor you you said last segment you know it should be fixable I think there's been times this year where it's looked like they were fixing it uh, before the all-star break. They had a stretch there where they were closing out games and even extending leads and, and putting teams away, but it keeps popping back up. So at, at some point, like it actually has to happen. And you know, we're, we are getting pretty late on here in the season. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it needs to, you can't lose six, seven, eight in a row. I mean, it's it's not good for business. It's not good for um, where the team is, and it's hard to pull yourself out of it because of the bad habits that that build up within that. Um, again, I, I I just go back like they they've still got seventy five points. I, I just keep going back to that. I, I just really go back to the fact that there's only two teams that have more points than them in the entire league. So. That that's kind of where it starts and ends. It would be it would be so much easier to go on and on about this if they had sixty seven points and they were only five or six points up on a wild card and they're in the playoffs, yes, but they're not really doing it the right way and they could get caught and that's that I guess that's where I just keep 
running into the wall where it's um, hard to nitpick too much. And and I you know yes, right now they're they're not closing out games. And yes, at the start or the losses that all of the losses that they've had, they haven't closed out games. Um, you know, I just got this game log up, and I'm just looking like it's all the losses, all the red is overtime shootout. Um, fairly close games beyond the beyond the dump against Washington. Because uh, even the Calgary game, they had the five on four for five minutes in the third period in a two one game. Um, I know they scored a, an ugly one late. Calgary did, but that game's winnable all the way through. Completely winnable. As bad as they played, that game's two to one. They have a five minute power play, and then they take it too many men on the ice. So these games are like this isn't like. Um, this isn't Tampa Bay losing nine to two last night. Like we think Tampa Bay is a good team. They lost nine to two at home last night to Florida. So it's just kind of the way the league is right now. It's very even. No one's dominant, and losses are are teams are winning and coming from behind in the third period. So yes, the Bruins have to figure it out. Yes, they have to clean it up. Um, but they 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 haven't given us a reason. This group, even this season, hasn't given a reason to to make us think that they won't figure it out. Yeah, and to her question, it was the good start an anomaly. No, I don't think so. Like I No, I, not now. We played fifty five no, games. We're we're into it to the point where we have seen and that question has been answered with play, um, especially right before the all star break that was like, Okay, this is what the team can be, this this is a good stretch and um that's the kind of hockey you want them to be playing again as the playoffs are approaching and in the playoffs. But um no, I don't I don't think it's an anomaly and I the the real question was uh, what she she had written in the call screener was uh, is this the team we thought they were going to be because obviously when we started the year they didn't have Bergeron back they didn't have Krejci back they, they Taylor Hall got traded away Felino gone like there were a lot Clifton gone whether you liked him or not um, there were just a lot of different um, personnel moves that that because of retirement had to get moved and and we didn't think they'd be in first place. So I don't, I don't think anybody can be super mad if they, if they go into the playoffs in in second place, which is kind of more where they were, they were looking like they would be. Uh, but even if they were first, that wasn't, in, that's not because they're outperforming what they can do. I think this team really does have um, the talent on it and, and the ability to be first place. Yeah. I think if anything was an anomaly, it, it would just be the fact that I think it was like through 15 games, they were, at or even ahead of last year's pace. Like, that was an anomaly. They, they weren't going to be as good as last year. So that part of it was never really accurately reflecting the kind of team they were. But Well, you didn't think they were going to go... Uh, 150 the, points? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but them being where they are now, yeah, no. Like, we're too deep into the season to think it's an anomaly. And I know... You know, I, l- listen, I, I said I have some issues with yesterday's loss. I'm not a sky is falling guy, though. <laughs> like, the, the fans who are like, you know, oh, they, they had a good run, but, like, you know, season's over or whatever. Or they should just be looking to next year. And it's like, no, c- come on, guys. Like, you're, you're still in it. You know, didn't we learn last year that no matter who looks like the best team going into the playoffs, anything can happen? So, sure, we, we can sit here right now, and I can tell you the Florida Panthers look like the best team in the Eastern Conference. I yeah. don't even think there's really that much of an argument, given how they've been playing recently. Razor, you mentioned Tampa losing 9-2. That was to Florida. Um, they're on a roll. Doesn't mean they're they're unbeatable. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean, like, if you're the Bruins, you just go, oh, well, we can't beat the Panthers, so, you know, forget it. Like, yep. 
no, you, you keep working towards it. And, yeah, if you go in first or second in the division, ultimately I don't even really think that matters. You look at how the rest of it's playing out, it's like, what matchup are you playing for? You know, like, you might get Tampa or Toronto either way. You might get, you know, last year you got the eight seed, but it was a Panthers team that got red hot down the stretch going into the playoffs. If it was only the Penguins. And, and, right, yeah. If it was only the Penguins, we the, we wouldn't be having to talk about well, the first-round exit, that, probably. Again, that's how crazy it is, too. Go to, just go to Pitt, Florida right now. What if Bobrovsky's just half as good as he was in the last three games in the series this season? Coming in, like I think Florida's better than they were last year. Oh, like they got Ekman Larson on the back end, who's rejuvenated. They're they're a better team than they were going into the playoffs last season. I, I don't that I don't think that really can be questioned, especially now the way they're playing. But can Bobrovsky be as good as he was last season in the last three games against Boston, in the four games against Toronto, the four games against Carolina? Can he be that good again? So so yes, that that if he isn't, then they're not as dangerous, even though they're a better team. So all of these things, like. It's not, yeah, it's it's just not sky is falling at this point, and, and that does not absolve the Bruins from needing to get a whole lot better because no matter what it is in the first round, it's going to be hard. Even if they're first overall in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be hard. We saw that last season. It's not The first round is crazy hard. You need a good matchup. You need to get the teams timed perfectly, and and it's it's going to be an absolute. You have to play almost perfect in the first round. You really do in the NHL playoffs nowadays, and especially this year because no one's going to separate themselves. It's not going to be an arms race because you can't make a lot of moves, and it, it it's going to be really difficult. So just be ready for it as a team and and find a way to get better through this this bad time. Yeah, and I think this is a good time to talk about what those holes might be that they have to fill in order to match up against uh, those teams we're talking about, like Florida. And I know the main criticism last playoffs was they weren't tough enough against Florida in in that first round matchup. So uh, we can kind of get into what are the needs of this Bruins team? What are they lacking? And also, what do they have the ability to go out and get? Yeah, I think I think there's a need up front and a need on defense, and I don't know if they're going to be able to address both. But if you start up front, last night Montgomery makes line changes that get the third and fourth lines going. The bottom six have been quiet since the All-Star break. He moves Trent Frederick back down to the third line. You go back to kind of that jumbo third line of Van Riemsdyk, Geeky, Frederick. They get on the board. Your fourth line of Richard, Lauko, Bogfist, that finally gets on the board. Anthony Richard scores his first goal as a Bruin. The trade-off there is that you end up moving Danton Heinen onto your second line with Martian and Coyle, and that line was quiet. And as much as I like Danton Heinen and as much as he's been a steal for this team coming in on a, on a PTO and playing on the league minimum, I don't think he's on your second line in the playoffs. That's, that's not ideal. Um, so I think they're forward short because – you can move someone up from that third line again, but then you potentially create that third line question again that you were just dealing with. On defense, I question the left side of this defense. Matt Grizzlick has had an inconsistent season. I think he's played a little better over, say, the last month, um, but that remains a question. We know the Bruins have not trusted him in the playoffs in the past. Derek Forbert has dealt with injuries this year, has been inconsistent since coming back. I think he had a really rough game on Saturday in particular. So you got to n- nail down that left side of your defense. And 
whether that's through internal improvement, guys, you know, finding their stride, giving guys a chance to play through it, or external improvement because you just need a personnel upgrade. I look at both of those areas and think you have to at least upgrade one of them. It might not be realistic to do both. Eh, I, they they don't have a ton. It's the first rounder, right? And listen, I, I bang the drum. I'll, I'll, I won't ever stop banging the drum that who cares about a first rounder that's in the bottom 20. I, it, but the Bruins just don't have them. Um, it would be great to get rid of them. I, I wish they had one to get rid of for any of these guys that, that we're talking about um, when it comes to National Hockey League players. Does Now, left shot D is tough, right? There's not as many left shot Ds. Does Parker Witherspoon, has he done enough to be able to get moved over to the left as a left shot? And you get a right shot defenseman, whether it's a carrier or a tan like there's just more of them there's there's more options which means you're not gonna have to pay as much that's more what i'm thinking is the left shot guy is gonna command a lot because there's only one or two of them the right shot there's a few more maybe you can get rid of your second rounders and third rounders and maybe get rid of a couple of prospects um i think you're probably at the point where you can get rid of one or two of these guys they're not all gonna make it we saw that with a few of them already this year um uh, so so yeah, I agree. You need to you need to find a way to add on the back end. Um, you just do just I and, and not more just as much as anything, just to shake it up a little. I feel like it almost needs a bit of a shake up. And, and I'm usually not a shake up guy, but it feels like over the last two years there hasn't been a lot of injury. Like they've played pretty consistently together, but we we've kind of been saying the same thing the whole time and none of that's really changed and then i think we see it we, we they need another winger somewhere up front um and and you know you just create like a nick dowd right like even if it's a guy like that it doesn't even have to be um if it's not going to be a high end just random score which just isn't typically the bruins way of doing it uh, i i I like thinking about Tarasenko's of the world kind of coming in and just being that guy, but it's just not the Bruins MO. Um, they've never done it that way. I I think it could work on a certain level of someone like that that just comes in and, and shoots the puck a lot, but it's not the Bruins way. I don't really think that's the way, and, and a Nick Dowd type guy kind of fits the mold more than, than the other way for me. Uh, Scott, you were you were mentioning to me on the skate podcast that right now the the market for doubt is like it, it's too high above well, what the Bruins would want to pay. Yeah, the, the center market in general is just insane because the the two biggest names already got moved in Elias Lindholm and Sean Monahan, and they went for crazy. In my opinion, overpays on both. But hey, if if you decide you need a center, then I guess you overpay. Uh, but Frank Valley of Daily Faceoff. He said, I don't remember if it was on Twitter or like one of his shows or something, that he would be surprised if Nick Dowd did not get the Capitals a first round pick. Yeah. That, like, that's crazy. Nick Dowd is a really solid fourth line center, can play a little bit of wing. He's a shutdown guy. Like, he has an identity, he has a role to play. But. It's because he has term. He has yeah, one three next he, year. He does, so it, yeah. And again, the, the the team that trades, that gives up their first rounder is a good team. So they're giving up the 26th overall pick. You're giving up John Beecher for it. You're yeah. giving up, like, it's not, you're not giving up Macklin Celebrini or, <laughs> you know, Connor Bedard for him. That, that's, that's where the first rounder comes in. Like, do you, go through the list and see how many top 
the, the 20 to 32 guys in the last 10 years, how many of them are actually NHLers? There's not that many. Yeah. And that's where that first rounder comes in. That Washington will take it, and, and it's a depth play now. Yeah, I guess if, for me, if if I'm trading, the Bruins don't have their 2024 first. They do have their 2025. If I'm trading that, I, I'm just looking for someone who's playing a, a little higher in the yeah. lineup, making more of an impact. Like, I've I've talked about him on the skate podcast, Jake Middleton in Minnesota, defenseman. Yeah. Really intrigues me. Now, I don't know if he's going to be available. Like, I don't, Min, Minnesota's out of it this year, but they probably expect to be in it next year. Yeah, he's he, a piece for them. Right? He has I a like year he, left, yeah. so they might just want to keep him. So Yeah. No, and, yeah, I, and listen, the 25th, sorry, just one more on the first rounder in 25. We don't know what that is. That could be higher, right? That could be higher. So that's a little bit different. You're not... You're not trading from uh, a, a, the same position of strength with thinking that that's not that high of a pick. So it, that that's a little bit different. It's hard to project what that number is going to be compared to if you had a first rounder right now, it's 29th overall. So that yeah. used to be a second rounder. Yeah. That used to be it used to be a mid second rounder, right? Like you can go all the way back to like Patrice Bergeron. That's like the you know mid-second round after hey, with, all the expansion with all, with all the talk about more NHL expansion that might be a mid yeah, first that's right it, exactly <laughs> it's like literally like uh the, the value isn't the same yeah sorry, when you, sorry when you, to interrupt it's okay and you just said that so Canadian um yes, I like that I, I'm gonna start com- saying I like, like when that. it comes out a little bit <laughs> yeah you're, you're our one Canadian you you make our uh show more legit with the with Diverse. the, the sorries and the yes. yeah um I was gonna actually bring up Middleton because this is a name and as well as Pat Maroon who they're both on Minnesota. They're both players that, I mean, like you just said, Middleton might not be available. Pat Maroon, I don't see why he wouldn't be available. Um, And he's not going to garner a first-round draft pick. And I don't think you need to add a center, right? We're talking about maybe you need someone for the bottom six. It could be a winger. Mm -hmm, Um, And I, I don't think that it necessarily has to be a center that you have to give up anything too extreme for. And when we were talking about this on the podcast last week, it was... Okay, what if you what if they're interested in taking Jacob Lauco for Pat Maroon, uh, one for one or so, or something like that, so, or or even just like a middle or lower round draft pick? Because um, I could see the value that they would have in in Lauco. He's younger. He does a similar role. Maroon's contract is expiring. He's a rental. I think Lauco has one year left on his contract, and maybe with a with the intention to sign him and keep him as an option on in their bottom six for the future or, or where, whatever it might be. I think that's a good deal for the Bruins. I don't, I think Lauco is expendable in Boston. I think they might have more value than we, than, than the Bruins do here in Boston uh, for that. And, and the Bruins might find more value in Maroon. Yeah. I think, I think Maroon brings up a, a, an interesting topic that I know Bruins fans always love to get into, which is toughness and, and do they have enough? And, I want to get get to that on the other side of the break. I think that that'll be a good spot to also bring in the latest news on Milan Lucic, who we now know is not coming back this season. Uh, so you can, again, join us. Call in 617-779-7937. Text us at 37937. And we'll be back right after this. Now, more of the guys. Scott McLaughlin and Andrew Razor Raycroft. It's Sunday Skate on WEEI. More of the guys, really? Can we can we update these, please? I want my name in it. <laughs> more of the guys. All right, I guess I'm just one of the guys yeah, today. So guys. <laughs> right. guys and girls. Yeah. We need to update. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's have the toughness discussion. 
are are the Bruins tough enough? Because this is what a lot of fans go to. And I do think that there's some merit to it. Um, we know now that Milan Lucic is not returning this season. Uh, for anyone who missed it, his the, the case against him was dropped on Friday. Short time later, the Bruins announced that he will remain on indefinite leave from the organization for the remainder of the season. So that, that door's shut. I, I think it had been shut for a while, honestly, but now it's officially shut. That is what they brought him in for. They thought, you know, they thought they might need that kind of veteran fourth liner who brings some toughness, some playoff experience. Bridget, you just brought up Pat Maroon's name. That's a guy who could bring some some similar traits. Um, I think this gets to, like, what are the Bruins looking for at the bottom of their roster? Do they think they need that? Or have they kind of shifted to they're going to try to get it done with more of a of a speed fourth line, like what we saw yesterday where you have, you know, Anthony Richard, Jesper Bogvist, Jacob Lauko. That's that's a speedy fourth line that, you know, when they're, pl- when they're on their game is going to make things happen by getting in quick on the forecheck, even if they're not necessarily landing the biggest hits. So, Razor, do they need toughness? Should they still be looking for that? Or has... Has the identity shift already happened, and can they can they get by in a different way? Well, the issue with getting by in a different way is that we haven't seen a Stanley Cup winner do it differently. We've seen Stanley Cup winners for the last six years do it with big, long defensemen that are can skate. You know, they're straight line skaters that move the puck well. Um, with bottom six that are big and strong and forecheck and have pace, uh, not water bugs. So, so until we see it one a different way, I think it's hard to to really get your head around it. It's such a copycat league. It, it's such a what what did these teams do to win league? And and it ha- it doesn't change. It's a battleship. It's a battleship. The league moves really slowly. So so it is hard to imagine a team winning with with five guys that, and this isn't the Bruins, I'm just saying in general, with five or six guys that are under six foot, under 200 pounds, that don't forecheck hard, uh, that that just move the puck and, and buzz around. I, I, We haven't seen a team do that, and, and it's hard to imagine a team doing it this season. Um, I don't think the Bruins are quite that. I don't think they're quite the Montreal Canadiens are right now and what the kind of the way they're building their team. But I, you could always, I, you just saw. We just keep saying it. It's a cliche, and it seems kind of lazy. But you can always use bigger, stronger, longer players, and and I think that the Bruins are are in that category. They're not, they're not built like Vegas is right now. They're not built like even Colorado is right now, or Florida, or um, Vancouver got a little like. You know, Dadanov, we saw him the other day. Like, he's kind of slow, but but he's big. Myers is kind of slow, but he's big. So are, are, is Vancouver built that way? We'll find out as well. But um, the, the top players, the top teams over the years have been big and long and strong, and it feels like the Bruins need one or two more of those guys. Yeah, and the good news is if we're talking about Pat Maroon, he, he fits that bill. He's tough. 
Um, he has more scoring upside than than Lauko or or even just name anyone on that fourth line right now. Like and Johnny Beecher obviously got sent down, so uh, because he wasn't producing Boquist, I'm not sure what he can do uh, in terms of scoring. We haven't seen him do all that much of it, and also he is not big. He is. He's a small, skilled player um, in that line, like you mentioned with Steen as well. They're they're more speed than uh, and skill than physical, and and sometimes that just doesn't work. They don't overwhelm teams on the forecheck, like Razor was mentioning. But the the good news about Pat Maroon is he is affordable for you, and you are not like there's a lot of te- of players on different teams that are uh, probably going to be sellers that are not going to be affordable to the Bruins. So that's why this this name keeps coming up because Maroon is affordable. Not only is he tough, I mean he used to be a, a really great player. He's towards the back end of his career at this point. He still has more goals and points than than Lauko or Steen, or, you know, that have played a comparable amount of games both in the the forty game range. Um, and he has experience. He's a veteran in the league, which I feel like they could they could use in their bottom six. Like who is the veteran of the bottom six group right now? There's. There's really, I mean, James Van Riemsdyk, but he doesn't come across as this vocal leader, and and he's big, but he doesn't use his body the same way Pat Maroon does. Yeah, the, I think Van Riemsdyk has some some leadership qualities, but again, he he also, if you don't go out and add a middle six winger, like he might end up having to play in the top six. So, uh, yeah, right now and he's not going to fight anyone, right? Uh, which. Well, so, I, don't, I don't think you need guys yeah, the to fight, fight in the, the playoffs fight thing, as much. Yeah, it just but, doesn't happen. There's no fights anymore. But it is that that physical forecheck that's important, though, because and and the Bruins know it, right? Like you look at some of their recent playoff losses, physical forechecks from their opponents have been key factors in those series. Certainly, last year against Florida, with the number of turnovers down low that they were they were able to force. If you go back, you know, Carolina like wasn't the most physical team in the world, but you get one huge hit from Svechnikov on Hampus Lindholm on the forecheck. Uh, the Islanders were certainly a physical forechecking team the year they beat the Bruins. And we know Don Sweeney recognizes the importance of this because last year he went out and got Garnet Hathaway. And when talking about why he got him, said they needed, he thought they needed someone to create some anxiety on the forecheck was his term. So they they know that Hathaway would be perfect again right now, huh? Like if, if that's like the guy, that's the guy Even, for me. Like, but you know, you're, and and I don't know who that guy is, but but I think of Hathaway. But <laughs> what's Hathaway didn't get the puck out in Game Seven? I was right? gonna say, you know, he, like he that's, went, a, he went a, he, even a, aside he, from it, that mistake, he, like he he went a little quiet in that playoff. He did. Series, he didn't so. get in on the four check in the play. Yeah. Like so, like that's the 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 push and pull. You don't necessarily know how it's going to play out and how it's going to work. That That's beside the point. That's that's just a tangent I went on, sorry. Right, and, and there's there's always the element of, uh, you know, you still got to be able to get there on time, too. You know, Pat Maroon can throw a hit, but if it's a second and a half after the defenseman moved the puck, that's mm-hmm. not really doing a whole lot of good. So, you know, it, it would change the Bruins. Like, he would be bigger, stronger, more physical than anything else that they – have on their fourth line right now and obviously has three Stanley Cups of experience which I don't discount at all um but he's also not he's certainly not a fast skater even as in his prime he wasn't so you would be losing something there but I, I do think that's the kind of player to target you know personally I think getting another score someone who can round out your top nine is, is would be more pressing that's also going to be more expensive though so if you 
if you end up having to settle, someone who can help set an identity on your fourth line, uh, to me, definitely worth targeting. Uh, we're through hour one here on Sunday Skate. We have two hours. We, we have a second two hour coming hours. up here. Yeah, that's going to be all season. Every Sunday, 9 to 11 a.m. Uh, hopefully till June. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully at least, long, hopefully last at least later than so last year. So short. <laughs> yes. It's like a week of playoffs. We're, that was we're it. Planning, we're planning like weeks and months of, of shows, and then all I, of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I guess it's over. I have my Sunday calendar <laughs> book, 9-11, till middle of May. I, I went May 15th. I just did May 15th. I'm just not getting greedy, out, and we'll... I'll figure out the last three weeks if I need to. So <laughs> that's minimum. All right. You can join us. 617-779-7937. Text in 37937. There are some texts I want to get to after this break. So we'll be right back on the other side.